Big Lezzers League, an all rugby league experience. Hello, welcome back to Big Lezzers League, an all rugby league experience. What about those two games? We are recording this on the day of the games. We are recording this just after the games have finished. How good were those two games of football? We got some high quality footy. And I guess our predictions were wrong about this one. We thought that the uh, smaller fields were going to affect how many tries were scored out wide. We thought that the tries were going to be confined to the back rowers, to the front row forwards. Weren't we wrong about that? There were definitely a few tries out wide. It didn't stop these teams from chucking the ball out wide. And we definitely got some high-quality football in this one. The games were able to flow as well. There were a few times where in the NRL these days, in normal games, it would have been a fuckload of penalties. There were certain situations where the referees just let it go. They let it flow. There were a few on reports. But other than that, it was pretty good um, from the referees in this one. I really enjoyed watching these two games. We also said that these games were going to be low scoring, and we were wrong about that too. Especially with the first game, there was a blowout pretty much in the second half. About 50 or 60 points scored by the end of the first game. The second game was getting to it. Obviously, 30 points scored uh, from both teams, including both teams, I should say. Uh, the Roosters and the Broncos in that second game. So we were, I guess, wrong about how these games were going to be played. But I'm glad that they were played the way that they were because, we, as I said, we got some very high-quality football games uh, displayed for us. Let's start off with the Rabbitohs v. the Manly Seagulls. Now, straight off the gates here, uh, Arrow looked like he had suffered an ankle injury. Um, obviously played most of the rest of the game. Obviously got taken off. Toward the back end with a few other niggles, but uh, he looked generally okay. Could be one to watch out for, but uh, there was a little bit of a concern around that ankle injury, and I think he was put on report once in that game too, so he might be suspended for one or two games there as well. We'll have to wait and see with that one. Uh, Manly had the solid start. I thought that Murray, though, in attack was quite solid as well. I uh, was running the ball really hard. Um, especially towards the start of the game. I thought that in terms of the forward battle, we got a really solid one towards the start, and it made me think that the game was going to go how we predicted, but wasn't I wrong? Uh, that Kepi hit on Kowler as well, absolutely insane. There were some massive hits during both of these games. That one was one of the key ones, though, for me. Sean Kepi having a big game throughout this one as well. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, solid defense as well, though. Defensively, both teams were quite solid. I thought Rabbitohs defensively definitely had the first half, but Manly, it was just all Manly in that second half. Uh, Rabbitohs wasn't really struggling to hold on. But in terms of that first half, I thought the defense all around was really solid. Tom Trevojevic, let's talk about him for a second. Absolutely phenomenal game uh, from him in this one for both halves. I thought that he looked really elusive. Not to the Tom Trevojevic best that we saw a few years ago, but that combination with DCE is definitely doing something. That's They're cooking something there uh, on that right-hand side, that combination, especially with uh, DCE putting up high kicks and Turbo pretty much being under every single one of them. Uh, it's a nice little combination building there. But even just some of the things Turbo was doing on his own, whether it be passing to his outside men, um, you know, really solid footwork. He had a, a chip and chase as well uh, on last tackle in one of the games, put up a little bit of a high kick. And that was straight under it. I think tackled Latrell one-on-one as well. He just had some really solid moments throughout the game, not only in attack, but in defense as well. You could see there was a bit of a rivalry there between Latrell and Turbo as well. Uh, tensions were definitely high in both of these games, especially at the back end of the game for the Roosters. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. 
Um, if there's any positives for South Sydney, though, especially in the first half, or mainly in the first half, I should say, Cookie was really silky out of dummy half. He was running the football a lot more than what we saw last season. Had some really solid moments. Obviously, set up that try um, for Richie Kenner, the first one coming out of dummy half and throwing a really solid spiral out to Richie Kenner uh, for that try, running a really nice line back into the middle of the field uh, on that left-hand side. Another interesting point for South Sydney as well, Tass was playing on the right. Uh, a lot of people said if he was to come in, he was going to come in on the left to replace Jack Whiten because he played left the previous year. But since he is in, co- in competition for that right wing spot, it does make sense for him to be on that right-hand side. So uh, just an interesting one to take in going throughout the season when obviously we are going to wait a while for... Uh, Campbell Graham to come back. Tass will probably be that right center um, going throughout the year, right up until the back end when we do get Campbell Graham back. Uh, But yeah, really interesting to see that Tass has actually won that spot uh, despite being mainly a left winger. Um, So really good on Tass there. But look, as I said, going back to my main point though, Cookie, really silky out of dummy half in that first half, was running the ball a lot more, was a little bit quiet in the second half, was not running the ball as much, but in that first half, I thought we saw the best of Cookie, uh, and he was really pivotal in their success in the first half and getting up by half time. Uh, Souths were on top in that first half too, or at least for the first 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes of that game. Uh, I thought South Sydney were very close to being on top. Manly had some great moments as well, and obviously, uh, you know, getting the momentum in some parts of that first half. Brooksy was looking really good. DC and Turbo, that combo was combining really well, building something special there. But most of Manly's success was in the second half. They did have a lot more of the ball in the second half. Uh, South Sydney, they were struggling with errors. They were struggling with conversions as well. It's something that did let them down. Instead of having a six-point margin, they had a 10-point margin where that last try from Kenner probably would have leveled the score as well. And they would have had a bit more confidence going into the rest of that second half as well. But in attack, there was just a few, uh, you know, unwise decisions. They were trying to do too many things at once. Um, and obviously, a lot of knock-ons in that second half, which you would expect from round one anyway. It's a very scrappy sort of start to the season. It usually is anyway um, for NRL in the first few rounds while they're getting used to playing 80 minutes, while they're getting used to um, getting into the, the swing of things as well. But look, South Sydney's better half was definitely the first half. In the second half, what let them down was errors and obviously uh, those conversions as well that would have made it much easier for South Sydney to come back in this game. For South Sydney as well, I thought that Sean Kepi was their best forward um, out there defensively and in attack. His tackle technique is spotless as well. Really solid tackle technique against his old team. Uh, obviously learned a lot from Gerbo when he was over at the Manly Seagulls, but I thought he had a really solid rip and tear. Played around 40 minutes as well in that game. It looked like he was on for the whole game. He just had a lot of impact, a lot of touches, uh, a lot of runs for him as well. Nearly ran 100 meters in that first half. Just looked really, really solid uh, in the time that he had on the field. Sean Kepi, I thought that he had a really solid game defensively and in attack as well. Really tough carries, but also some really big hits, especially that one uh, on Tolu Kaula to start the game. I thought that Sean Kepi was definitely South Sydney's best forward. Uh, obviously, beside Murray, Cam Murray had a solid game as well, ball playing, but really taking some tough carries. I thought that we saw a little bit of a different Murray uh, to what we usually do. We're usually used to Murray getting into deep into the line and usually passing the ball to another front rower, whether it be Burgess, Tavita to Tola or, you know, it would be Kepi going into this season. But Murray was taking a lot more runs, 
A lot more tough carries in this game as well. I really liked it from Murray. I thought that he played a really tough and conservative game, uh, especially in that first half, but a lot in that second half as well, particularly when, you know, South Sydney, they were making a lot of errors. Their discipline wasn't on. Uh, they sort of dropped out of the game a little bit towards the back end. Uh, but I thought that Murray throughout the whole way was really solid and played big minutes as well on this one. Thought he had a red-hot crack, though. Murray and Sean Kepi, the standouts for me for South Sydney. But Latrell Mitchell just looking comfortable, uh, you know, really switched on in this game, getting very involved in that first half, roaming both sides of the field as well, looking a lot better on that right-hand side. We saw glimpses of this going into the Indigenous All-Stars game, watching that game. He was very involved. He looked a lot more trim. Um, He just looked a lot better, happier as well, and looked like he was having fun out there. Um, as well, but really switched on. In this game, it sort of carried on that form, uh, especially in that first half, as I said. He looked really switched on. He was getting heavily involved. He was having plenty of touches. Uh, that's the Latrell I want to see at fullback. If Latrell's playing fullback, this is the type of footy I want to see him playing. Not dropping out of games. This is the Latrell that I want to see going into the rest of the season, and I can't wait to see um, if he carries on this form throughout the rest of the year. I'm sure he will. He looks very fit, fired, ready to go. Now, as for the Manly Seagulls, there were a few standouts for me. Uh, The first one was Jason Saab. I thought that he was getting plenty of touches. Um, I thought that he was heavily involved in this one, coming in for a lot of runs. Uh, Had some big moments in this one as well, that intercept try that he scored. Uh, Obviously, he nearly had a second intercept as well throughout the game. Um, You know, just having some big moments in this one. Uh, You know, very dangerous every time he got the ball and attack. Unlucky, he will be injured going into the next few weeks. He has picked up a hamstring injury. Uh, Obviously, he was going to get set up with a try. But unfortunately, I think it was Turbo that made the error and then he pulled up with a hamstring injury trying to stop himself uh, in, you know, mid-sprint. Unfortunately, hamstring injuries, they do last around six to eight weeks. We are going to see uh, Saab spend a little bit of time on the sideline depending on ha- uh, how serious this hamstring injury is, but wishing him all the best. I thought that he was a standout in this game. Uh, Turbo for me, I think, as I said before, Turbo, DCE, really getting that combination sound. Um, I really enjoyed watching them play um, together and just some of the things they were doing. DCE putting kicks up for Turbo or just in in general when they're spreading out, doing their arrow sets, um, combining really well. Brooksy, I thought, was really solid. Nearly scored two tries in this one. Obviously, the first one got disallowed, but he scored the second one. Uh, just looked really comfortable, uh, looked happy, looked like there was a lot of pressure off his shoulders. Uh, a lot of the time last year and over the past few years when he's been at the Tigers, there's always seemed to be a chip on his shoulder because he's getting paid a million bucks. He was expected to be in comparison to Andrew Johns at the start of his career as well. Uh, you know, just had a lot of pressure on his shoulders throughout the entire career. Um, every time that the Tigers did something wrong, it was always blamed on Luke Brooks. Just to get out of that environment, find a new environment, and look really comfortable there. I am so keen for Luke Brooks going into this year. I really do think he is a Dallium uh, five out of the year, smoky for sure. Really excited to see what he can offer this Manly Seagull side going into this year. But roaming both sides of the field as well just looked really comfortable, and I am excited to see how Luke Brooks goes. Uh, Hamole Olakawatu, I thought he was outstanding in this game. Uh, obviously scored a try earlier on in the game in the 22nd minute, uh, but just was heavily involved, taking a lot of runs. Um, you know, ran for over. 
Uh, 150 metres, 179 metres, 95 post-contact, uh, a line break, had six tackle bars, 16 hit-ups uh, for Hamali Olakawatu as well. I thought that he was outstanding. Uh, Josh Aloye in a 38-minute stint, 78 metres, uh, 29 post-contact, seven hit-ups. I thought that he was quite solid too. Uh, ben Travojevic, uh, he had 10 hit-ups as well, ran for 63 metres. I thought that when he got the ball in his hands, it wasn't much because obviously they were directing a lot of ball to Hamole Olakawatu, but when Ben Travojevic was getting the ball in his hands, I thought that he looked really good. They weren't throwing a lot of ball down that left way towards Ruben Garrick and Jackson Bowdo. They were actually going a lot down the right, obviously, to their more... I guess, X-Factor side in Tolu Kiala and uh, Jason Saab. Uh, they're very reliant down that right-hand side. Tom Trevojevic looks a lot more comfortable going down the right-hand side as well. That's got to be a point to take into the season as well. They are very right-side dominant, the uh, Manly Seagulls, especially in attack. But it was all Manly in the second half. Uh, they really looked like they were having a ball out there in that second half. And obviously, discipline and goal-kicking for South Sydney, it's what let them down in this game. Uh, then going on to the Broncos versus the Sydney Roosters. That Manu intercept at the start of the game was insane. He had a few big moments. It was an absolute blinder for he, from him. Uh, Tedesco as well was really good. Uh, Victor Radley as well. They had a few standouts in this game, um, but Manu, Tedesco, they were the two main ones for me that won this game, especially towards the back end for the Sydney Roosters. So Manu obviously had that intercept at the start of the game. It was a very fast start, and I feel like for the most of the game, it was very fast football. It lacked a lot of structure, which could be a problem for Roosters going into the rest of the season as well. Obviously, it is a strong start for the Roosters when you look into previous years. They are known to have very slow starts. That's why we tip the Broncos in the first place because Roosters usually start the year very, very slowly. But it was a great game from them. Uh, they looked on song. Yes, they lacked a lot of structure. But I thought that guys like Manu, Tedesco with their big moments, Victor Radley through the middle, looking at his best as well coming into this year. Um, I really do think that that's going to be okay for the Roosters. They might outclass a few teams with their X factor, uh, obviously taking that structure down a little bit, playing some very high, uh, high pace, frantic off the cuff football. But yeah, as I said, it might catch a few teams off guard throughout the season. Uh, yes, yeah, a very fast game. Uh, Cobo is on the left-hand side. Stags will stay on the right. That's a main point uh, in terms of lineups going into this year to take in. Cobo is now a left-side player. He was obviously on the left-hand side with Jesse Arthurs. The right-hand side was Dana Remia and Katoni Stags. So I don't mind those combinations going into the year. Very, very dangerous. But I do think going back to the Roosters, though, in terms of this frantic attack, I think they do need to get back to their structure a little bit more because I think against sides like Panthers, um, Melbourne, you know, some of those top sides. Broncos is a top side. They were in the grand final last year. But the thing that's different about the Broncos is they're very fast and frantic as well. They love playing off-the-cuff football as well. The Roosters were just matching the energy that the Broncos were giving off. I think it caused the Roosters to get back into that frantic attack that they have been known for over the past few years. Uh, obviously, you think back to 2018-17 for the Roosters. Before they got Cooper Cronk, 
They were very frantic. There was no direction. They needed someone to steer the ship. Cooper Cronk comes in. They get all that um, you know structure. They win two comps in a row with Cooper Cronk at the helm. It just proves that when the Roosters, even if they have a little bit of structure in this side, they can still have that frantic attack in some points of the game. When the Roosters show a little bit more structure, it does win them comps. So I think that they do need to get a bit of that structure back, uh, obviously in training sessions leading up to round two, because especially against those top sides like Melbourne, like the Penrith Panthers, they do need to be a little bit more structured uh, and switched on against those sides. But I think it was okay because the Broncos were matching that, in- that energy. They were very off the cuff themselves. It was a very high pace, fast, frantic game of football. Uh, and the Roosters were just matching that energy. So, uh, But yeah, look, they need to get that structure back going into the next few weeks. Uh, Reese Walsh nearly kicked a 40-20 in this one as well. Did it in the trials. He kicked a 40-20 in the trials. Um, and it was incredible. I've never seen Reese Walsh go for those types of plays. Didn't usually do it uh, last year either. Um, obviously, Reynolds was doing most of the kicking then. But it does look like Walsh has got a kicking license over the offseason. So, interested, interested to see... If Walsh goes for those types of plays more, I imagine he will. Uh, Very exciting, though. It does add another layer to what is already a very exciting game uh, that Reese Walsh possesses. He's got so many layers to his game. Just adding another layer being the kicking game. I mean, very, very dangerous footballer. Only 20 years of age as well. It is just insane to think how good he actually is at this stage in his career. Um, low scoring middle battle, uh, especially towards the start of the game. As I said, at the end, it sort of blew out a bit more, but in that first half, it was very low scoring. It's how I thought both games were going to be. Obviously it blew out in the second half, but it is how I thought both games were going to be both the Roosters, Broncos and Rabbitohs Seagulls with the thinner fields. I thought it was going to be more of a forward battle. So the first half of this Roosters, Broncos game was very much how I thought the games were going to go. But let's talk some players, players that stood out for me in both of these games. We'll start off with the Sydney Roosters. Uh, We obviously mentioned them at the start, but I thought that Tedesco, Manu and Radley were the stands out in this game. Tedesco and Manu had about 10 tackle busts between them in the first half. I think Manu had about six and uh, obviously Tedesco had four. But by the end of the game, Tedesco had 204 metres, 84 post-contact metres, a line break, a try assist, nine tackle busts. And then Manu obviously had a try, 158 metres, 51 post-contact, two line break assists, a try assist, 10 tackle busts. Just unbelievable stuff from Manu and Tedesco. Radley, by the end of this game, had racked up 168 run metres, 77 post-contact, 16 hit-ups. Was just really solid, heavily involved. Lots of ball playing from him as well, Victor Radley. It was good to see that element of his game um, come back. Obviously, last year was very conservative, was aware that he was getting suspended quite a bit, uh, and he sort of toned down his game. He was quite conservative. He didn't really throw too many passes. He was very, I guess, mediocre because he was afraid of getting suspended. I feel like Coming into this game, he switched back on. He is becoming more of that aggressive player in attack and defense. Had some really tough carries, some big hits in this game as well. Uh, But his passing game and ball playing through the middle, being that link man, that's the Radley that we know for the Sydney Roosters. uh, And I really enjoyed watching it. That hit on Hetherington was absolutely insane. Really, really solid from Victor Radley. Thought he had a massive game. 
Uh, now, for the Broncos, I thought that Payne Haas was solid. I thought that he had a big game, a uh, really good way to start the year for Payne Haas as well. Uh, he had 132 metres, 63 post contact, 13 hit-ups, 8 tackle busts, was just looking really dangerous for the 69 minutes he had on the field. Played massive minutes there. Payne Haas, 69 minutes only had 11 minutes of rest. Played massive minutes in this game. Paddy Carrigan as well. He played the full game. Was a little bit more quiet for me uh, than Payne Haas was. I thought that Payne Haas was definitely the standout in the forwards. Uh, but Paddy Carrigan still 145 metres, 83 post contact, 14 hit-ups. I mean, really solid stuff from the two main forwards that we said were going to have a massive impact on this game. And they definitely did. Uh, Reese Walsh was a standout for me as well. Uh, obviously scored a try. Had 183 metres, 46 post-contact, try assist, three tackle busts, uh, but was making things happen for the Brisbane Broncos. Most of their tries came through him. Had a big moment at the end of the game where we thought the Broncos could come back here. Uh, obviously, they didn't, but Reese Walsh kept them in the game. Had a massive try saver on Daniel Tupo, though. Uh, i just got to get this straight as well. Obviously, it did get penalised for a shoulder charge. Personally, I don't think it was a shoulder charge. Obviously, he was using majority of his body to get Daniel Tupo over the sideline. It wasn't really shoulder contact. It was literally putting all of his weight and throwing himself at Daniel Tupo. Not really with the shoulder at all. There wasn't really much shoulder movement. He literally just leaped and threw himself at Daniel Tupo. And it was more his arm and body that got in contact with Daniel Tupo there. I don't think it was a shoulder charge. I don't think Broncos fans have much to worry about with the judiciary. I don't think he's going to get penalized for it or suspended for it. Hopefully he doesn't knock on wood. Um, obviously, you don't want to see that um, after you know exhibition games where we're supposed to be overly aggressive in as well. Uh, and there was nothing really dangerous about it. Obviously, Daniel Tupo went flying, uh, but there was no injuries caused by it. Nothing happened. So I think the NRL should just overlook it. I don't think it was a shoulder charge anyway. So hopefully for Reese Walsh, knock on wood, um, he doesn't get suspended for that one. But I thought that he had a massive game. He was a big part of the game as well. We got two massive games from Vegas. It was a great exhibition for our game. Thank goodness the referees let the game flow as well. We were talking about this in the preview. We wanted the game to flow. We didn't want too many penalties. We just wanted a really nice, well-flowing game, fast football, tough football that shows off our game in the best way possible and gets Americans interested in having our game back the following year. Uh, but I thought they were two really solid exhibition games. And the fact that they were high scoring by the end, both of them, uh, I think is going to get a lot of American fans enticed about bringing our great game back to the United States in 2025. That's full time. See you in the next one.